Hey guys, uh, Alessandro here, and who's also here are the birds outside my window. So just a quick disclaimer before we start the episode uh, diving into tech. One thing that we didn't address during the episode is that, of course, Brad and I have not been in the same room since we are on planet Earth as well. Germany, to be specific, the COVID-19 pandemic is in effect and we have done enough reading and also enough understanding to stay at home and act on the social distancing norm so we've connected via the internet and have recorded both of us on each side and yeah i think it actually turned out a little bit better than before it was uh, cool Although, of course, the reason is not cool at all. So let's dive in. Because the inner outside is a term. We're not sure. We're not sure that, well, we would have to have to do this. We don't know. Like, even for us, that's not fully clear yet. <laughs> we will have to clarify in or outside. title of the book is homo faba <laughs> which um, means like uh same color no it's it's a, a term that comes up in the book and the protagonist's name is walter faba okay and his longtime acquaintance um calls him a special kind of human being like he's not a homo sapiens he's a homo faba he's a one okay. of a kind species and it's homo for human and, mm -hmm. and his last name to ah uh, to symbolize yeah. he's kind of his yeah. unique his yes. he's a unique breed yeah mm -hmm. cool um, and what sets him apart set the stage set the stage for for us here mm. um, so Walter Faber yeah. is um, uh, a German engineer um, mm -hmm. very successful he's been to the great universities of Europe, of Germany, and uh, he's talking about Zurich a lot in Switzerland, um, mm -hmm. where, I don't know if you know this, but the ETH Zurich um, is a great like university. It's revered globally. The university is called ETH Zubich? Zurich, 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 like Zurich, Zurich. yeah, yeah, Zurich. Zurich, Zurich, as we say, because yeah. how you say it, it's very hard. Zurich, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and the, the the Swiss people would they'd call it Zuri. That's cute. Yeah, yeah, I like the way um, they say it. Swiss German's really cool. But okay, anyway, so he's so he's, he's at the university. He's actually um, working for. He's writing some kind of UNESCO um, like uh, paper uh, on, I think, like technological advancement. Uh, of the planet okay and we're talking a time and i don't have the year but the book starts with a with him on an airplane um 
at least I think it starts. That's in the beginning. Uh, in mm -hmm. an airplane, like it's it's very special to be on an airplane. It's an engine machine. The uh, machine has a defect and needs to emergency land mm. uh, in somewhere in South America, I think, or Middle America. And and when is this? Is this a like when was this book written? Let's see. Oh, um, 1957, it was published. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. So six years before my parents were born. Yeah, mine as well. I think they're going to hate me if I get this wrong. I think they were born in the 60s. Jesus. Um, a, they start in New York. Mm -hmm. And there is a snowstorm already. And they are going... To Guatemala, and okay, and so this was this book was published in the fifties. Interestingly enough, I looked this up. The Air Commerce Act of nineteen twenty six began to regulate commercial aviation, mm. uh, but the first commercial airline flight actually occurred on the first of January, nineteen fourteen. Believe it or not, so over a hundred years ago. So we've been we've been flying commercially for for a hundred years. Right? That that really that's very interesting to me. Mm, yeah, true. I was expecting it to be later, really, to be honest. So this book was written in the fifties. It was written in nineteen fifty-five uh, through uh, nineteen fifty-seven. That's what it says in the book. Okay. Um, and I would say that also this is like a, a it sets the frame uh, for the story, the two years. So Walter Walter Farba is a technician. Or an engineer. He's a, he's a, he's he's a very professional intellectual engineer. Okay. But throughout the book, he actually shows that he is also a very talented practical engineer because he takes apart cars and puts them together in the rain in Guatemala just yeah. to fix them and to make them work. So. Cool. And so why, do, why is that interesting? He's basically the, the epitome or he's the archetype of a, of a technical world. Is that the idea I'm getting here? Like yeah, as, as, yeah, as a protagonist, yeah. he's symbolic of the kind of person that many of us would want to be or who we would consider to be the, the, uh, the hero of our times or of that time. Yeah, I mean, basically the guys that that were seen and also were seen by themselves as the people that pushed humanity forward so mm -hmm. galactically. Yeah. Um, and he's also going to um, these places to um, basically investigate their technological process and their, um, or even the opposite of that, their... Um, deficiencies in technological advancement in South America uh, and uh, I think also other places. That's yeah. what he's on a journey for. And some of us, and maybe myself included, would say, well, that sounds awesome. What's the problem there? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, to get right down to it, you know, um, like, maybe not with mechanical engineering. I mean, that doesn't really, that doesn't get me up in the morning. But, uh, I mean, you know, the fact that he's bringing, he's bringing tools. I mean, before we invent, before engineering was a thing, if we wanted to lift heavy things, we could only lift as much as a human could lift. And then we started to invent things like pulleys. Like, are you trying, like, I mean, I know this is a big step, but, um, you Have know. Have you ever heard of a lever? 
Okay, but a lever. Okay, okay. Even <laughs> even more. Okay, even more simple. Yeah, Let's yeah. look at the lever. So mm -hmm. lever is a lever is technology. It's an overlay course, on our. Of course, on it's our a physical world. exploit. Yeah. Yeah. So would you? Could you simply say, like, to go back to a very basic example, or would you? Would you? Mm. Say the world would be better off if we didn't use technology like levers. Should we do away with trying? Because philosophically, you know, or spiritually, the use of a lever is saying, I'm not happy with my own strength and the things that I can move. I want to manipulate my world yeah. so that I can, you know, so basically let's, let's paint the scenario. Here I am, little old Bradley, caveman, homo, whatever. I'm walking along and I see a large... <laughs> yeah, funny, I needed to put a sapien or a magnum or something yeah. after that, but it's okay. Yeah. Bradley the homo... Whatever is, is also a Latin term now. <laughs> Bradley the homo whatever is walking through the park. Sorry, there's not a park. He's walking through the forest uh, back in the day and he comes across a very large rock. We'll actually call it a boulder for the story's sake because it's that large. And he goes, hmm, this boulder's not where I want it. Maybe, for example, it's right in the middle of a path and he wants to go to the other side because he sees some berries over the boulder, but he can't get over them because, I don't know, he can't climb it. So, and then he looks around, he looks around and his brain's smart enough that he realizes that he could use a stick and a smaller stone and, or, and to create a lever to move this boulder. <laughs> what I'm getting from you in so many of the conversations that we've had before on this topic is that the, the, the mere philosophical concept of him wanting to move that boulder to get to a reality on the other side is something that should be admonished or rejected okay, philosophically. Then, okay. Is that, is that what we're getting at? Is that the basic of this conversation? The basis of this no. conversation? Okay. No, I can, I can assure you that. Okay. Um, one thing that I see here, so the, my main point is not to say, okay, I have a problem in the world. And I'm looking around and I'm, I'm trying to find a tool that helps me with solving that problem. And it's a great, it's a great example because it's so simple. The problem doesn't have anything to do with the pre-existence of, of the tool, of the lever in that case. Like you have a boulder that's in your way and you want to get it out of the way because it's in your way not because you already have a lever and you just want to use it because it's your job to lever shit. If you make that lever work mm -hmm. and you see, wow, that works great, and the boulder is on its side, and then you just start all day, you just go <laughs> on and lever boulders <laughs> like yeah, a I maniac. Yeah, and I get, I get, you yeah. fuck up... Um, uh, rivers, um, you influence like nature's uh, ecosystems, then you start running into problems. And then if you then even get bored and you say, okay, what can I also lever? Well, wow, I can actually like uh, push this into the roots of a tree and lever trees. And then you start doing that, um, which doesn't make any sense at all, but it works. Um, then we have ourselves a metaphor that serves or points into the direction where I'm arguing, where the tool and the existence of the tool dictates its use without any real problem. That is basically summed up in, in the very simple but still accurate saying, once you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I am willing to 
later in this discussion to upscale my whole um, argument and and make the translation into way more complicated tools because multi-use tools is the world we're living in um, and there's a lot of nails popping up that are are not nails at all well i i love i actually love that and i love exactly how you used that saying um because what I'm hearing as the base problem here is is completely in that in that little saying that so well said, which is that okay, you know, once you have a hammer, so I make this tool, everything looks like nails. Well, holy crap, that sucks. I mean, anyone can agree with that because before you had the hammer, everything had its own identity, you know, and and if you, I get what you're trying to say, which is that by using a tool or by overusing a tool or by creating a tool, no matter what it is, you're, you're redesigning your landscape based on this tool that you have and you're taking away what was there before. I kind of, I do get what you're saying. The thing is like to, to um, basically um, approach you more friendly and, and your mm -hmm. point, what is not my point at all is um, to abolish um, these tools or yeah. to not make more multifunction tools. But while grabbing a tool, asking that question more often and actually finding out if the tool is requiring use or if you require the tool. If the tool is requiring use or if you require the tool, can you give me an example? Your phone requires use every time it sends you a notification. Even if in that situation, you might even not want to talk to another human being. You might yeah. not want to be reminded of a certain um, topic that you have yeah. with a special person. Or, and that is even more crucial, where you can't even afford to be reminded of a certain situation because your situation, your present physical situation is using high concentration or requires a lot of concentration. Um, for example, dealing with a child. Um, yeah. If it's your own child, one option. If it's another person's child, I'm not even sure what requires more con uh, concentration. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. If the tool requires use, or if you require the tool, where do you find this balance? Because I understand when you, if you were to come to me and you were to say, okay, yep, all of this stuff that we're using to, to manipulate the world around us, we shouldn't be using at all. And we should just go back to nature and we should live more like animals. Like I understand, you know, grassroots, rainbow gathering, you know, living off the land like the Native Americans, I can understand that perspective. But I don't understand this idea of like, oh, we just need to use these things more, more uh, wisely. You don't understand that perspective? I mean, I, okay, obviously, yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> we should do everything more wisely. But I don't, I don't see where you could possibly be drawn. Okay, I haven't seen where you draw the line yet then, in a way that but, I can say, okay, yeah, I'm with you there. 
I mean, we we discussed it in the in the toys and tools episode. Basically, we did. I was just thinking by, about that too recently. Um, the toys and tools. How that's, I mean, that's a parallel here. I mean, it's it's a um, it's a first of all, awareness is is the number one uh, thing, and that sounds like a very cheap thing to say, but actually, yeah, just re- remembering, hey, am I being used by a tool here, or am I using a tool? Um, mm. And being used by a tool actually makes you a tool, and I'm saying you're a tool. Um, <laughs> um, and that's yeah. that's I think that's very accurate in 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 the in the funny way of of looking at the word, and also in the technical term. Yeah. Um, so it's basically just how I go about, or how I've started, and it's been a long long way out of addiction and dependency actually mm-hmm. um to go about my my electronics and also my technology and the thing is um clearly like we are right now also not in the same room we are connected through uh, glorious machines um, yes um that we have chosen to use and we have plugged in and uh installed and, and set up to to do a certain task I've, I've really tried to uh I really try to use technology um, not from a standpoint of um, having everything, first of all, having everything in sight all the time, um, having everything, yeah. uh, and in sight is a, is a funny thing to say, like uh, having ev- it, it, like phones vibrate, it's not in sight, it's actually on, mm-hmm. on the body as a physical um yeah. proximity there there's an audible proximity if you have like a lot of alarms and, and noise that's coming from your devices where your attention is being drawn to it and it basically just it will use you in that like it doesn't remind you to use it it actually already with that uses you yeah and that's not i'm not standing here shouting at people uh your phone is eating your food from your fridge. That's not, that's not what I try to say. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is a perspective and an extreme perspective to view your surroundings through for a quick second a day and say, hey, maybe I can, I can reclaim some of my freedom if we want to go all American um, in my own home. And that's a good thing, I think. The point that I've that I've tried to sort of make uh, to you so many times, and maybe I can explain it here. And I, I've always tried to make it in a very optimistic way, a very mm. sort of like woo, you know, flowers and, <laughs> and rainbows, kind of like you know, look how great this all is. Uh, and <laughs> that hasn't worked. So what I'm going to say here is maybe a, a slightly more depressing perspective, but it's the same thing, which is this: if you look at evolution. And the way that the earth has evolved or that, and, and that life on earth has evolved since the beginning of time, I believe, you know, conservatively, 95% of life is gone as it once was. You know, so I guess you could say to, to, to build upon that, most of the animals that have ever walked on earth have had a bad time. Um, their species didn't last forever. They struggled. Maybe they had mutations that weren't well adapted. Um, it evolution tends to the the cream tends to rise to the top in evolution, but the cream that's sitting on the top of the the coffee of evolution is but a thin veneer, a thin layer on top of a a lot of 
brown, dark brown, poop-colored, watery coffee that is not the cream. What I'm trying to say here is, I believe we should dive into technology, that we should dive into our devices, that we should use without abandon, to use without pause, all of the devices we have, all of the technology, all of the virtual reality we've gotten to this, we should dive into gaming, we should dive into to communicating with emojis instead of language. Because to me, to, to do otherwise would be to stop, to try to stop the tide, the rolling tide and the development of evolution, which I think would be futile. And I'm not saying that the majority of what we have around us today is beautiful or wonderful or sexy or the way that it even should be. Actually, I would say most of it, most of what life is, 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 is not the cream rising to the top. It's crap. It's going to be phased out because it's not effective. But the only way to, to get to the future is through this mess of the present, in a sense. Like... You can all that you will be doing by by sort of you know attempting a, a certain sort of uh, I don't know if you'd call it a hyper vigilance against you know the tools of the present. I feel like all you're going to be doing is is slowing down evolution. You might be able to wrestle out of this some sort of better way of living your own life like for like the, for the course of your personal life and if that is if that is the case you should do it like i think the argument can be i'm going to put my phone on silent or i'm i'm going to only check my phone 3 days of the week because i feel like my quality of life is better when i do that i can get behind that but to say I'm going to check my phone three days a week because I feel like checking phones, you know, using a tool only three days a week is the best way to, to that people should live. I don't agree with that. I'm not going to get behind it. I think we should. I think that what we're seeing when humans are developing these things and working on these things is just a, the natural sort of product of evolution occurring. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I'm actually, I agree with a lot of things that you say there. Yeah. What I'm arguing for, and, and I feel like we are not arguing against uh, each other then, is I am completely arguing for reclaim of agency in terms of using technology. So if you say, I want to do these things and I want to use my phone because I'm a, like, I sell stuff still over the phone and I want to use my phone 12 hours a day, um, then you're actively, efficiently using your tools. If the intention is bypassed with things like entertainment, which I, I want to touch entertainment as a, as a concept, then we got a problem. And one disclaimer here also, I talk from personal experience and I don't talk from a mountain of wisdom of having always been immune to that. I have not. I have been caught in that web myself and it's been so hard for me to get out because the fear of missing out the fear of being alone um the fear of being alone with myself um therefore overusing entertainment just for the sake of not feeling alone being alone was always the case <laughs> it always will be the case yes and that's a great situation once you really go past the fear in that i mean there is some great stuff 
there. Let's actually like put a pin in that. And maybe, I mean, we got one episode on meditation, right? Because yeah, that, like being alone and actively being alone um, and, and having that as one of the, like you're being skillful with being alone, that would be a great topic for us to talk about. True, true. Well, I also, th I think that entertainment of the future is going to be, like I have a very, very ambitious and optimistic view on the future of entertainment in particular, and I know we've had some controversy here between us, in particular when I look at the, the concept of gaming. Um, you know, because I don't see the future of entertainment or the future of games to be something that is being used to, uh, instead of living uh, a meaningful life. The, the future that I see and what I already see developing is games being integrated directly into uh, what a meaningful life is. You know, I think that in the past, yeah, in the beginning of like the development of video games, they were so basic, so disconnecting, so so taking you outside of yourself that yeah, they look they were crappy compared to reality. But now we're getting very close to these worlds where it's you're going to be more connected to your friends through playing a video game. You're going to be learning skills that help you in life. Like you're. Can I say one yeah. thing here? Yeah, okay. Because I think there there was one uh, mix-up. Because you said, yeah, back in the day, uh, video games were crappy in quality and, and mm -hmm. they were isolating. That's true. But what they didn't do a good job at is actually taking you out of yourself that much. I mean, mm. still unprecedented to that time compared to like a newspaper or a book yeah. or a movie even maybe for some people. Um, but that that quality has increased, not decreased. You're saying that the ability of games to take you out of yourself, but do you see that as a bad thing? Taking you out of your body? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At least, at least in such a brutal way. Like it's not even a concentration effort anymore if you strap on like goggles and it's 3D. But does it have to be? Does it, does, um, does getting, I'm not does saying get... that. No, I'm I'm saying that it isn't. So the the obligation there is not is not my point. I feel like uh, taking away so much um, render power and effort and and training that you ha would have to do with your brain by yourself before, like basically, I mean, I hope a lot of people can relate when I say, okay, I've, I've read books, for example, Harry Potter, where I stopped reading and I watched a movie, basically. And I mean that I didn't put down the book and started watching the movie. I stared at these pages, they turned themselves, and I watched a story. And I could just, the, the live stream feed was, was incredible. But, but all that, like the translation, um, from text into speech, from speech into imagery, all of that my head would have to do. And I think that's, first of all, incredible. I'm not saying that is better than having it done by a computer, because um, it's different, obviously. Um, but I feel like, and I'm not saying that that's a special skill that is super helpful in life, uh, compared to to the other things that that um, video games can do, and I can actually see how I open up a very great argument for you here. So do yeah. it. Yeah, 
Yeah, you do. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biting my tongue the whole time you're saying that. Do it. <laughs> and I don't even think, I feel like it doesn't even need to be said. It's, it's already, the argument is already made. I can just be like, you see? But then please right. enlighten us. Well, okay. So what what yeah, what I'm what I'm hearing there is what I really don't understand or is is what exactly is the difference? When somebody reads Harry Potter, and we 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 all can can agree, we've had these moments. You're reading Harry Potter, you're in your head, and all of a sudden you feel that you're like you're transported into the story. You know, and, and I would say this has to do because of the the artistry and the brilliance that that JK Rowling is such a a master at her craft that she has basically yeah she has figured out how to code language in such a way that it taps you into the story it it brings you out of your body and directly into the story one thing i read it in german and he, she's crafted something very different because it works in so many languages it's actually very fascinating what she's done well actually okay hold on this is this makes my point even stronger storytelling or or it, the transformation of cognitive experience yeah is not substrate dependent it doesn't matter what what language it's in mm -hmm. um which means exactly what i'm saying here so whether it's english german or computer code the ability to take you and bring you somewhere else and and allow you to live in a whole different way to, to to experience a whole different universe is i think just one of the most incredible abilities that that humans have and that we foster in each other like so much of what we've done You know, so many of the different, like whether it's also you can you can also look at like culinary arts here, which is cool because they call it the 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 culinary arts, which is mm. food, if mm. you know it. You know, <laughs> I, know call, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you knew that the term because it, maybe it's not like a something. You a learn. culinary school, I I know that. Yeah, but it's that. actually they actually call it culinary arts. You know, you call it the you know you, writing is an art, singing is is an art, uh, dance is an art. Uh, but oh, to get back to the culinary arts, using food as a language, like you might use computer code or writing a book or words. And my point is that all of this stuff, all of almost everything that we've done can be boiled down to an attempt for us to transform somebody else's experience. Very often we want to do this. It comes from what I think is amazing, a sort of a, a loneliness. We feel so alone. We feel like we see the world in one way and we wish that others could see it with us. Or maybe we've got some sort of adventure inside of us, like with JK Rowling. She had this world that she wanted to share and make real. It must have come from her, right? She wanted to live in this world or she wanted to share this world with others and she found an amazing way to do it. And That's why, like, I, what I think is amazing about technology is that it requires much less interfacing than, than, than books do. You, you mentioned it yourself. You're reading it for a while. Imagine this scenario. You sit down in bed at night. You open the book. You start reading. You start reading. You know, for some people, maybe within the first paragraph, boom, they're in her world. But for a lot of people, maybe it takes a couple paragraphs. Maybe a lot of people aren't that skilled at reading. This is important as well. 
you know, with the way that the education system is nowadays, a lot of kids don't read at all anymore, which means that they're not able to to interface with J.K. Rowling's world and get into that. But I mean, Warner did a great job at solving that problem. And that's and so so film is is the film was amazing when we invented film. I remember I remember hearing this somewhere that they were saying before film was invented, like black and white film back in the day, it, it no human had ever been able to watch a close-up of another person going through an, an incredibly emotional uh, time in their lives without being directly involved in that. It actually opened up a whole new realm of human experience, and that was the experience of the observer. To be a, to be a, a non-impactful observer in a very impactful moment. A non-observable observer. Exactly. Yeah, to sort of be a fly on the wall of someone else's, you know, romance, someone else's loss, mourning. And and this this ability was transformative and it allowed us to learn so much from others without having to be that we would never be directly involved in. You know, we could hear somebody else's story, we could feel it and see it. And what I think video games are is the evolution of that. Nothing more and nothing less. It is exactly that. I think the future of video games are going to be the evolution of what film was trying to do and what books were trying to do. And that excites me more than anything. Let's, let's just say it already is. I mean, video games have been around for not that long, but long enough in, in, in the, in the uh, increasing velocity of, of technological evolution. They've been around a long time and have had the same evolution, basically, that film had. Um, in, in a fraction of the time. The reason why I said is going to be is because there is a huge hurdle that video games had in the interfacing, right? True, if in, you, in uh, adding senses, uh, especially, or dimensions, yeah. Mm. Exactly, and also the um, there's a high learning curve and a certain sort of distrust that many people still have for, let's mm. say, the, the use of a controller or the sitting behind your computer. You know, we've I, there's so many things. Mm. You know, we we've mm -hmm. grown up being told that you know screens are bad for your eyes and you know you're going to get carpal tunnel syndrome by using a keyboard and mouse all the time. And these things are probably true. I'm mm. not trying to say they aren't. So mm. there's there's this huge hurdle right now in a couple areas. One hurdle is that to play a video game you need to have a, this, a certain dexterity of using a mouse and a keyboard and clicking a million times a minute that a lot of people, especially older older uh, people, they're going to be stuck feeling their fingers and hands. You know, one of the things is that I can say from personal experience is once, you, once the, the controller becomes so comfortable in your hand that you don't even feel it anymore, when you move through this world, you're moving through the world as if you're moving through the world, right? You know, you you almost feel like your body's moving through the world. You don't feel your fingers pressing the buttons anymore. That's an incredible ability of the human body, right? Exactly. Actually, yeah. I've mentioned mm. this, I think, to you or to, to, to Asuka the other day. When I play tennis, <clears throat> I've realized something fantastic, which really supports this idea of embodied mm. cognition, mm. which I mm. would love to talk to you more about sometime on this podcast, but or extended cognition. Mm -hmm. When I play tennis... When I hit a forehand, mm. when my racket makes contact with the ball, mm. I am not feeling my fingers. I am like my conscious experience, and I've, I've observed mm. this many times out of curiosity how accurate mm. it is. Mm. My conscious experience is of a racket hitting a ball. I feel the ball hit the strings. 
in that I moment. I can completely relate to that. I have not played on a level like you, and also not in in recently. We have played tennis actually quite this recently, which was kick great. ass. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> but yeah, I can completely uh, attest to what you're saying. That that's yeah. exactly what you feel. The se- like because because all senses are involved. And I think that has something to do with the way that the human brain works as like an interfacing translator or as a as a hub, which is that, you know, it seems it takes in all information and then it sort of makes an arbitrary line where the body ends and where things outside the body begin. But ultimately, this is all just information input. And I, 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 I can extend that argument to sort of encompass that if we were to create an exoskeleton that had nerve endings that or that had a certain sort of like um, a nervous system that we then wired into ours there it, it doesn't seem to be a, a huge leap uh, like i don't need an imaginative leap to assume that it would feel like the exoskeleton was our body that is not even necessary right because if once you um once you um associate a certain sound with damage and I mean that in like car owners screeching lacquer or having the sound of metal being dented, that will give them physical pain. So you don't actually need the quote unquote physical uh, nervous connection here. You actually just need the association to be very strong and that can can be learned very quickly. So I would even say that like a certain sound, something hitting your exoskeleton will make you go, ah, like, and that was supposed to be pain face and pain <laughs> reaction. Thank you. I got um, it. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. Because that's that works. There's no direct input even needed here. True. I think mm. that, that the... What the direct input, what like the future of exoskeletons might provide, which which is not necessary but helpful, is like I mentioned before with the reading, to get into this J.K. Rowling's world, you require the ability to interface with her console. That is the the you need to be able to at least read a language that the book is written in, right? To 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 get into this feeling of like the car being a part of you, you need to have had experience as a driver or as a mechanic. There's a certain there is a certain sort of uh, translation or a certain sort of integration that needs to have happened. With tennis, you need to play at least a certain amount so that, you know, you can sort of so that the, I don't know, I guess the, your conscious mind quiets down enough so that your unconscious can sort of extend outward to whatever it is that you're going to start embodying. Does that make sense so far? Perfect sense. Okay, yeah. so what I'm saying then, what I'm really excited about is this, this sort of embodiment that we do in so many different areas, which is so cool because, you know, pop psychology now is really starting to get in on that and, and philosophy as well. Um, but anyway, this, this embodiment this ability to embody things is is currently limited by the sort of let's say the ingenuity of the user or the ability of the user to embody themselves into whatever they're doing video games virtual reality and technology for the first time in human history is starting to take over that role they're starting to learn more and more clever ways or develop more and more clever ways to embody you for you you know, mm-hmm. you no longer mm-hmm. need to <laughs> um, speak the language to, uh, you know, interfaces are becoming so intuitive that your brain picks them up in 
a half a second yeah, true. with virtual reality of the future. It's going to be, it's not going to, there's not going to be this intermediary step required. And mm. that's what I think is really exciting. Anyone's going to be able to have that, the, the experience that someone wants to share with them. I'm I'm very intrigued by this, and I actually haven't thought about this um, in that perspective. And I'm very happy for you that you actually have a great argument here yeah. um, that I haven't been able to see fully. Because what I'm what I'm getting now is that a lot of things, especially in the academic world, and I'm not I'm I'm including engineering and architecture and uh, mm -hmm. basically all skills. So basically, a skill is just a tool to make something happen, right? A certain mm -hmm. experience or to build a building. Then the skill of architecture is um, well, the tool to get there. One yes. of them, yeah. To planning a building, not building mm -hmm. it. <laughs> That's not what the architect does. <laughs> 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 to be fair, <laughs> yes. Um, so what what I'm what I'm seeing here is now that um, we are providing a very limited set of of tools and highly specific tools that are not suitable for a lot of human beings is that actually would bring a lot to the table were the medium a different one. So basically that could read all of that if it were written in their language. And I mean language here now, even, I mean, let's not start with maths just yet, but once technology or leverage a lot of uh, translational work there, you can actually distribute certain skills far more evenly and, and have people do things that required a very special training uh, just three days before. <laughs> um, yeah. Now just by themselves with downloading a certain tool because that's, that's the only way I can now see uh, these tools being distributed that fast. I mean, some tools are actually physically important, but, but, I can see how 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 that um, is a great is a great um, evolution and yeah games. I mean, games will provide uh, somehow the the distribution of the technology. I can see that happening a lot because mm -hmm. you and that's uh, basically also how distribution of technology somehow seems to magically work. If you sell it as a toy, it sells even better than selling it as a tool. Um, if you mm -hmm. do both, it's great. If you have like a cute, colorful version and a pro version, <laughs> it works fantastically as it, um, yeah. as it seems. What I'm, what I'm kind of getting at there as well, or mm. to expand on that, this idea of like selling this tool, the way that I kind of imagine that looking in the future, let's say is, well, okay, let's look at, let's look at, uh, Let's look at construction. So we, we have the architects there and they're doing a great job. And then so they've planned this building. And now we're moving and now it's it's time to to build it. Let's say, here's an example. When it comes to uh, laying cement or laying bricks, there's a certain uh, muscle memory involved in the art of you know putting the cement in between the bricks and then laying the bricks smoothly and so and being able to do this very quickly. And doing it well and making it not look sloppy and whatnot. I saw I saw a YouTube video once. It was very, very satisfying to watch this professional bricklayer just create this beautiful wall and how quickly he was able to do it. The average person would not have that 
that that muscle memory, the small sort of feelings of rightness. But in the future, let's say, uh, there could be video game technology, basically, virtual reality technology. And I'm talking even in our lifetimes, this is not that that ambitious. Um, I remember listening into a podcast where the the uh, one of the producers or the inventors or the co-founders of Oculus Rift was talking about how you know the video rendering software and, and some of the haptic feedback engines and this kind of stuff were not that far off, he's saying, from being able to create a very an almost perfect virtual reality, computationally speaking. But anyway, so the bricklayer, he might be able to, using video game technology, record what it feels like for him to lay bricks, right? He, you know, it, the, 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 the sensations and the, you know, the sort of experience of what it's like to be in flow, laying bricks in a very, a very efficient manner. And then he might be able to share that with no translation necessary with someone who's never laid bricks, who then could build their own wall and could learn so much through this sort of tutorial from a professional bricklayer, but not a tutorial where he explains it to you in language and then you have to try to use this 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 sort of uh, brutal version of, of, you know, you have to translate the language into your own conscious experience and try to reenact it, but you might be able to just feel exactly what he felt like when you, laying bricks. You know from like car racing where you have this like ideal line in the, in the track mm -hmm. from car racing games? Yes, I think I do know what you mean. Yeah, like this, Where, this the, the optimal route, basically. Yeah, exactly. I do. You could basically have that as an overlay, even haptically. Um, mm -hmm. Once the technology, like if you were a full body suit, it would actually like show some resistance once you um, move the brick into a um, into a wrong position, and, and mm -hmm. you basically can can adjust how this uh, whole thing will teach you, basically by by showing you when it's wrong with some some feedback and and that's that's somehow scary but also pretty fantastic that would be incredibly enabling actually exactly we know we know that that already exists think about if you think about anything that you've done in flow i mean for me sports is the easy example of that when you're in this op like optimal state things move effortless, effort, effortlessly <laughs> the word wasn't effortless but <laughs> <laughs> so you're moving effortlessly and, and doing the right thing. Like when you've practiced something enough, also this is the same thing with playing music, playing instruments, you probably know this. The, the general idea is that you practice something enough, you put in the effort and the time, and you get to a point where doing it right is the, is the path of least resistance. And that doing it wrong feels wrong, right? We have that. I know that's the case in tennis. I can feel when my foot works off. I can feel when my hand, my angle is off. You can feel it because you've done it right so many times. The problem is someone new to a game, new to building, new to anything, does not have that, you know, that does not have the right thing programmed as the path of least resistance. But video games in the future would provide that as a tool. I'm certain of it. It's not even that far away. But not the games, not the games that are currently there. Well, okay, that's the thing. So here's here's what I wanted to get get at with the idea of of, of games, and this is where I know that we have we have sort of uh, fallen apart uh, in the past. Um, I believe, and this is a philosophical belief, that we are our happiest when we are doing things that we feel matter. We don't. The average. I think every single person. This is a big statement, but I think almost every single person would rather 
work on something that they feel good working on than just play a game, right? The problem is right now there's a disconnect between the games that feel good and games that do good, right? Okay, yeah, that, I'm, I'm completely on that. Okay. What I want to utter again is something that I think will also bring us together because we've now come from very different angles onto the tech thing. Although both of us, of course, having spent a lot of time in contact with tech and both of us have already, like we dove into our tech um, for huge amounts of time individually, even before we knew each other, which is a lot of time mm -hmm. compared to the time that we actually know each other. Because you said before um, that you you want to motivate this like diving into tech and I struggle with the terminology but what I don't struggle anymore or not as much anymore is with what you actually I think you mean by it. For me it's more getting tech into the world and, and uh, getting it out of the way. Yes, exactly. For me the phrasing diving into tech um, really just for me, I picture you standing in front of your two screens, making the hands in front of your head like you're going to jump into water and trying <laughs> to get in, which is um, for physically correct, jumping into something or pulling something towards you really does not make a difference. <laughs> no, I think I think the way that, that, that I that I could look at that or just to build on your imagery there, which I quite liked um, is I guess what I'm trying to do is I understand if, if technology and the future of technology is is a lake. And here we are standing on the edge of it. Um, I, I have no, um, I am not in denial at all about the, the, you know, the radiation and the, the, the ickiness and the darkness and the coldness and the monsters that are in that lake. I get it. I know. All I'm trying to do, I guess, is create is, or is to figure out how we as, as a as a culture as humanity can create the diving gear necessary to dive into this lake with all of its dangers and and come out the other side or to to experience inside of this lake of technology all of the wonders which i really truly believe are there it's like it's like i'm trying to learn how to really right now we know you go down too deep in the ocean the you know pressure is going to crush your submarine and your face and and you're not going to make it um, <laughs> you know, you're going to go down deeper and deeper and deeper and then, pff, yeah, yeah. right. You're so, a raisin. And, yeah. and you're a raisin. Yeah. Uh, we, you've done, I don't know if you've ever done those experiments where you like put a, a, a soda can on a fishing thing with like a weight and you drop it down in the ocean and then you reel it back up and it's completely crushed just by the pressure and you go, Whoa. And then your teacher goes, see, and then your, your whole world's changed. But what I'm trying to say here is that I get that the, the pressures, so to speak, at the depths of technology would crush us as we are now what i'm trying to do is figure out how we can adapt evolve prepare ourselves surround ourselves with the gear or the submarine you know necessary to dive into the depths of technology and to experience the wonders that are really down there That's right great. that yeah. that is what i aim to do i i'm not trying to brush aside the realities the, 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 the very clear reality that it's dangerous. I'm just trying to make it manageable. What I really just want to say here is, because it's, it's just obligatory, um, 
one one thing like what I think about here is that also you basically are just trying to get well everyone a little closer and more comfortable with water in that in that metaphor right yes closer yes. to water and more comfortable with water yes and water here is is just a being in touch with with the technological ocean is a metaphor for that what you're saying is or in my head it sounded like you're just trying to get everyone a little bit more wet you know <laughs> ah you know me so well that is that is ultimately my my only goal in life is to increase the general wetness yes <laughs> um and, and to say that more specifically uh not only wet but deep deep and wet Andro. deep and wet because uh, just just staying on the tip <clears throat> i mean surface of uh, the iceberg <laughs> just sorry okay just staying what yeah th to be serious just staying on the surface which is where we are now you know it's there's a lot of wetness in the world right you can agree both you and i have seen some of that wetness firsthand but the to stay on the surface and to just be you know to just have your feet wet all you're gonna get is pruny feet on the other side if you if you are close to drowning it's also not healthy to almost drown just uh, from i know that from experience and and you do personally even more than me, I think, because you you are you. I'm a bad swimmer. Um, you don't know. You dove in fully without the gear that I'm hoping that we can equip ourselves. That is with, true. That is right? true. Yeah. And so so That's many, what it there's feels two like. oh. there's two huge problems that are occurring right now when it comes to the ocean of technology. So many people who have no idea are just floating around with floaties on the surface, half wet, half not. You know, the air's kind of cold. Their toes are getting pruny. They don't really know what they're doing. They have no tools to dive down deeper whatsoever. They don't even know that there's a depth possible here that could provide great wonders. So they're just sort of floating around the top meh and then you've got the other side of it these people that without any gear whatsoever thought well i'm just gonna go deep into this because i don't know what else to do and they dove all the way down half drowned unfortunately many people have drowned or never come back up or come come back up to it's it's also like my whole like um approach on 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 like rehab was also uh, relatable to to diving because you can't go up too fast right on 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 those dives and you also shouldn't go down too fast but that is uh, not not that big of a problem actually there's a large range of sort of let's say mistakes that can be made when you don't prepare that are yeah analogous uh, if you go down to the deep ocean if you go down uh, into deep space and I'm, I'm i'm using down here because down is also if you go far enough there's space again um <laughs> booyah <laughs> <laughs> Great, nice save. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's the, 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 yeah. This is a great. I, I'm very happy that we reached this this metaphor because yeah. yeah. I actually um, and you know this. I, I've I've talked to you about this. I think I am. Uh, the world knows I'm a notoriously bad swimmer. Um, at least I have been in my younger years when swimming in water was mm. the, was the task um, to learn. And now yes. I've I've swam in in different oceans and I've I've had some struggle there, but but I've I've pulled through. Yeah, Sandro, I think you're not alone. I'm um, not. I, I know many that. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, if there's anything that that we can do or that that can be taken away from all this is that um, it's not too late to learn how to swim. You know, if we if we work together. I want to I want to start training as a lifeguard here for myself and and for others and that there there's some cool obligations coming up I think for for future generations
taking care of us in terms of quality and the artwork has been drawn by Marie Freisler. Links to all those people are available via the Inner Outside website which is ioioioio.org slash inner outside. It's four times io.org slash inner outside. And you can also send us an email to innerouside at ioioioio.org. And of course, also leave reviews, I guess, on Spotify. And I don't know if that's possible, but on the podcast app. We'll see how that goes. Talk to you in the next episode.